0: Hello, welcome to episode 117 of Sack Kings Therapy. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be going through the final Lakers preseason game. By the way, Kings are undefeated in preseason. We, we've been undefeated since summer league, so a pretty big achievement. And uh, we'll be going over awards, and we'll also go through the round, this round of news that has been uh, occurring on basically during this week and you know whatever I wrote down so yeah all right to get started with me to discuss all these topics fall hello right, let's just jump straight into the preseason game kind of get out of the way I guess uh you know let, yeah let's get that out of the way just because it's probably the, I mean it's a preseason game it's nice to, that we won spoilers we did win this game but it is a preseason game, and I am ready for some regular season. Just say.
1: Yeah, I mean, still we uh, no actually more like five days away. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, it's about it's about a, few, a week away. Like, well, less than a week because a week is seven days. Uh, this is pretty boring small talk. Let's move on. Okay, so starting lineup is uh, Fox, Halliburton, Barnes, Harkless, and Holmes. Marvin was doubtful for this game, but and there he did kind of go through warm-ups from what i read from twitter it was kind of like it wasn't very clear he went through warmups, and i guess just didn't feel right so he ended up not playing so that was a weird situation for the lakers monk was out uh nun was out tht had surgery and ellington was also out so lakers aren't exactly like super healthy although Oh, by the way, I forgot to put it. Ariza was also out because he also had surgery, I think, on his ankle. And uh, yeah, but they do have their starters. They do have Westbrook. They do have. Uh, I almost forgot LeBron's name. Who's the shooting guard? Uh, was Austin Reeves the starter? Boy, uh, let me
1: check real
0: quick. No, yeah, Baysmore. Baysmore was. Yeah. was. Yeah. So Baysmore, DeAndre Jordan and Anthony Davis was the last guy. So that was their starting lineup. Anyways, um, oh, like, well, I'll just quickly go through like a summary, and you let me know if you notice anything else. It was a pretty intense preseason game. Like, you know, it was so intense. LeBron actually played in the second half, and even more intensely, he played in the fourth. That was how serious this game was um overall a lot of encouraging signs like you know kings got out to a big lead in the first by just forcing honestly some pretty awful turnovers from you know the lakers who just honestly looked like they were sleepwalking at moments russ was terrible i thought like i missed the port like the first half of the first but like as soon as i turned on the game he would just randomly turn like turn the ball over miss like bunnies it was he just had a weird game even though his stat line actually looks fine for the most part like seven for 12 one for three from three and for 18 points a plus seven but like he i thought was terrible
1: yeah I'd say so too but then again I didn't I missed the first quarter sadly so coming off from the second quarter where we were up by I believe it was it uh, 3925 by the end of the first
0: it was 35 23 like early um, early in the second it was it got to like 30 what you just said I think what 39 to 25 you know, something e-
1: like that yeah something like that yeah starting the second quarter yeah I, I all I gotta say is The transition and offense, you know, bursted for the Lakers once LeBron and Westbrook got going in uh, fast breaks. But, you know, it cut the lead down to, I believe, I think we're only up by two, or sometimes it was a back and forth in the second. But after that transition between LeBron and Westbrook, Westbrook just started becoming Westbrook again, like you said, in the first quarter
0: like do you mean in a good way or a bad way bad bad way bad way (laughs) yeah i mean it preseason and like some lakers fans are worried i i honestly don't know what to tell them because honestly this is what i expect from westbrook but it's like really bad like he can't shoot which you know can be a problem although he was able to work around that pretty well like he had some really nice like cuts and honestly i think overall i think he actually fits with ad pretty well and like the centers that they have i do question it with lebron just because neither one of them are really good shooters anymore like and that could be a problem at crunch time but i think if lebron is off the court like you know russ and ad that two-man game can actually work or even russ and deandre jordan even though neither one of them can shoot like it, it, it'll it be interesting to see how they figure it out, but this is not a Lakers podcast, but, so let's move back to the Kings. Uh, Kings, like, were still the Kings for the most part, like, they would get out, again, they got out to a 35-23 lead in the first quarter, it looked like they were just destroying the, basically taking advantage of, like, the Lakers being pretty, like, laxed and just sleepwalking, but, you know, then they, then in the second quarter, Lakers kind of just turned up to defensive intensity, and just, put the Kings through, like, the ringer of just transition fast breaks, which, you know, that it is good to see them, like, being able to kind of, like, get back. I Not, not like, get back into the game, but, like, you know, it was tied or, like, Lakers took the lead, and the Kings were able to respond and take back the lead. But There were moments where they kind of looked dead, like, dead in the water, and the, the offense was kind of the problem. Like, you know, they reverted back to, like, everybody stand around and wait for dr to do something or wait for Terrence Davis or wait for Halliburton to do something. And it, it leads to a bad shot, which leads to bad transition defense. And, you know, it was good to see them, like, being able to kind of calm it down and just, like, you know, after a timeout and just, like, slowly get everyone back together and kind of, you know, get back to doing what they're used to doing. Although, again, this was a preseason game, so, like, it's not like the other, like, LeBron was, you know, in, you know. What's the the word? Absolute freight train mode, like King James mode. But, like, there are very encouraging signs, as well as some, you know, bad signs. But I do think that there's a lot more encouragement than there is, you know, downers.
1: Yeah, I mean, luckily, like you said, it's a preseason game, so nothing to worry about for either side. But, yeah, we'll we'll see them in the regular season and get a... I guess, better taste of (laughs) what's to come.
0: Um, Interesting thing. Um, So I did mention that most of the uh, Lakers bench was out and it kind of showed, which was really interesting. So the starters were there. And when, as like when LeBron, like when the Lakers made their big runs, most of it, a lot of it was, you know, LeBron James. And as soon as LeBron James kind of stepped out, (laughs) the Kings kind of made a run and it was anchored by their bench, and you can see it in, you know, our favorite player, Buddy Heald, was a plus thirty this game.
1: Yeah, I, I still can't believe he's a plus thirty. <laughs> that's, that's unheard of. Uh, actually, did did you see that uh, one post about uh, in NBA. dot com about Buddy's defensive rating? Which I don't want to, you know encourage people to think uh, Buddy is a great defender, but you want to guess his defensive rating?
0: I mean, it's tough. I'll I'll just say, is it under 100?
1: Apparently. (laughs) This is preseason. Just for preseason, by the way.
0: You'll have to give me probably a range. You know what? I'll just go crazy and say, is it below 60?
1: Okay, that's a little too crazy.
0: What's his rating?
1: It's about 80.
0: About 80. Now, if, for those of you guys that don't know how defensive ratings work, especially nowadays, like anything under a hundred is really good. Like you're a you're an elite defender for the most part. Although I will say, defensive stats are usually pretty trash because, uh, st- like if you just look at defensive stats, it doesn't tell the whole story. Like you know, for example, let's just say you know you, uh your teammate gets beat, you know gets blown by you come over and help and guess what your man is open and your man scores that's technically your fault so like defensive rating numbers are always kind of um to, to say they're unreliable would be an understatement and no buddy is not a good defender like well, you know but again let, let, let's get back to the main point which was the bench was really good for the kings and the basically the lakers like when as soon as lebron was off the floor it was p- a pretty big disaster like you know davion was a plus 22 and so was tristan thompson although alex uh, len was a minus 14 and but, like overall like i i feel that one takeaway i have from this game is that the kings do have a very strong bench and uh, as i mentioned last game Kings have some flamethrowers. Kings have some microwave guys. Like, Davion is a microwave player. Although he was 0 for 3 from 3 this game. Like, these guys can light it up like when when you need them to. And ter- and in this game, it was Terrence Davis. He was an absolute flamethrower. Six 6 for 13 from 3. All his he only had one field goal that was not a three. <laughs> Which is a buddy stat line, basically. And Tristan Thompson, like, did his thing. Even though he shot three for ten was a plus 19 and you know on the other side like again as soon as LeBron stepped off the floor it was it was just barbecue chicken for everyone like he was he was a plus 17 and the only one with a positive plus minus was Dwight Howard but everyone else was a pretty overall big negative although let me see Rondo was a minus 30 that was funny um and Austin Reeves surprisingly a plus four even though it felt like he played pretty badly um, for most of the game and you know one thing that does kind of give me uh, no it doesn't give me any concern because Halliburton just kind of happened to be in when this happened if you were watching if just me watching the game when the runs happen like Halliburton just happened to be in the game and it, I don't think it was his fault but Halliburton was a minus 26 and the main takeaway I have is, like, even if when the starters don't have it going, you still have a really good bench to kind of fall back on.
1: Yeah, which I'm really glad with because uh, I wish we could play everyone, but I mean, seeing that you know we didn't play other guys from the I guess third unit, which necessarily we don't, we didn't really need, but yeah, seeing our bench improve from last season because last season's bench was pretty much anchored by uh, what's his name Corey Joseph <laughs> mm-hmm. and I do not remember the rest of the guys in that bench unit the beginning of that season but afterwards you know gained these at, uh, acquisitions of uh, Terrence Davis and um, who do we trade away for Tristan Thompson I always forget
0: DeLon oh, Wright
1: and Wright. you know we build our bench we build our yeah we just build our bench and uh, so far we've uh, I think we've done pretty well at this point to the point where we could contend
0: yeah um, so yeah my overall I guess summarization of what I took away from this game is that you know the vibes vibes are good like, coming out of preseason, like, the Kings are competing. They're taking care of business. They went 4-0, and and even though it was preseason, and a lot of guys just kind of, you know, sat, a lot of teams, like, sat their guys out, like, you know, namely uh, Portland, who basically sat out their entire rotation, almost. Like, they just took—Kings just took care of business. And they're beating the guys they're supposed to, and, and like, they're not just, like, completely— playing down to their level was like one of the big was one of the big things last year it's like oh we we just weren't ready to play well this kind of shows me like they are ready if they smell blood they will take advantage of it even though they you know like I said last year a lot like they had so many opportunities to go for the kill and they didn't and even though in this game they didn't really go for the kill even when like the Lakers subbed in their third their third fourth unit guys and we still had the starters in like, I feel the mentality of this team, the toughness of this team, like the the Kings will be competing in every game and like they have a decent amount of talent. And like, you know, the X factor is like, I guess sometimes, you know, loose bosses kind of come your way, but it feels like they can compete every game and they will compete every game. And hopefully at the end of the season, the regular season, I mean, this leads to a playoff birth.
1: Yeah, I guess we shall see.
0: Okay, well that's it for the game. I, I don't want to dwell too much on it. Just there were good signs uh, as we mentioned, but, but like it is preseason, but it was an intense game, and the and you know the Kings you know pretty much took care of business. Like even though, even though like the Lakers weren't at full strength, they still competed against you know a team with LeBron James on it, with Russell Westbrook on it, and Carmelo Anthony and uh god damn it I keep creating anthony davis is also on this team like it is a da- it is still a damn good team and they competed and they ultimately ended up winning so mm-hmm. you know it's something and you know as a king's fan like you, you take whatever we take whatever we can get right
1: <laughs> pretty much <laughs> until the playoffs if that ever happens
0: well we'll get we will get into that in just a bit. okay uh, just want to quickly shout out the new NBC Sports uh, TV lineup. So uh, the people that are going to be responsible for calling the game—it looks like it's going to be Mark Jones and Katie Hunter for every game. Uh, when Mark Jones has Mark Jones has uh, his ESPN uh, obligations, Kyle Draper will be filling in, and. And Kyle Draper, when Mark Jones is, you know, on the broadcast, will actually be at the pregame, kind of what Katie Hunter was doing last year with Morgan Reagan. And if uh, Kyle Draper is doing the game, it'll probably be Matt Barnes and and or Kenny Thomas on that uh, on that booth as kind of the. Not the sideline reporter, but, like, they sit at a table, kind of like a round table, and just kind of describe the game. Like, basically what Katie Hunter was doing last year, along with Morgan Reagan, and, you know, Matt Barnes will probably be there, and Kenny Thomas will periodically be there. So far, I'm not—I think that's how it works, but do correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Mm, I'm not too sure myself, but, I mean— we have a pretty interesting lineup. I mean, all all of them are pretty good talkers uh, when it comes to Kings.
0: You know, I'm a big fan of like the Deuce and Moe podcast, and congratulations to Morgan Reagan for getting for getting this you know this gig. Like, that's a huge accomplishment, and you know she'll she'll do great. Like, she calls the Stockton Kings games, and like from what I've heard, like she's great she's great at giving insight on like you know just like the players and their history she'll do great at that job Matt Barnes really surprises me I'm just I'm just really (laughs) I don't know why I'm as surprised just because like I I know he's from the area but like he you he's a guy that you know if he wants he could totally like be on the national broadcast but I guess maybe maybe he likes Sacramento or maybe he wants to work up the ladder I don't I don't know but I, I was really surprised to see Matt Barnes
1: Maybe. I mean, gotta start somewhere, I guess. But he, I mean, he did run the podcast with uh,
0: Steven Jackson.
1: Yeah, Steven Jackson.
0: I think they still, I'm pretty sure they still run it.
1: I'm pretty sure, too, yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, I guess he has some sort of experience and maybe this is his dream? I don't know.
0: <laughs> and, you know, shout out to Kenny Thomas as well. Like, he was with the Kings, I think, from 06 to. I think in the either like the early 2010s or like the mid-2010s i don't remember when he left but he was part of the king's organization for a long time and you know congratulations to him for getting this gig mm-hmm. and you know katie hunter like she was she was great during the broadcast even though midway we had to switch to the lakers broadcast mark <laughs> jones is of course like always amazing kyle draper is great and yeah this whole entire lineup i love it oh yeah Okay, let's get to probably my most anticipated part of the show for a part of this episode. It's going to be awards prediction season since it is the end of the preseason and the regular season for at least for the Kings start next Wednesday. I want to be I want to get Fong's picks for the MVP rookie of the year the most improved player award six man of the year and DPOY the defensive player of the year or what, or, you know, the award that Rudy Gobert is going to, for- I guess, unfortunately, win again. It's been boring with him winning. Yeah. I think he's got three now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you won't be surprised about that pick for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not picking him, so...
1: Yeah. <laughs> All
0: right, so, let's uh, let's get started. Um, uh, the MVP, what do you have?
1: I was actually debating between... Giannis and LBJ finding I'm leaning towards Giannis this year. Interesting.
0: I I would pick Giannis because like last year he had no chance of really winning the MVP because he wa- he already won two straight at that point, and until and basically the narrative I I was hearing was that unless he was going to win the championship, there he's he was never going to get the MVP again. Mm-hmm. I see. But won the championship again. <laughs> you know, he's back in the MVP race and like, you know, honestly, w- after winning the championship and getting that burn off your shoulders, it kind of takes it it really brings your game to another level. If if you know, if the player has the right mentality and one person I never question his mentality and his approach to the game is Giannis. He will work his ass off no matter what. And he's going to go balls to the wall for the entire regular season. I think anyway, he, he could totally cruise and I, I could totally look really stupid. But like, and honestly, you could look pretty stupid since you picked him. But, you know, but I think he's going to go balls to the wall. And I think the Bucks are going to win a lot of games. And that's a great pick i i don't think i don't think lebron has any chance of winning it just because i don't think he's gonna play (laughs) all the games and it's just this is not a diss to lebron i just think the competition is too is too high for him at this point if he's not gonna play a lot of games Mm -hmm. and my pick i'm gonna go with steph curry (laughs)
1: Oh, that's you'll, a good you'll, thing.
0: Be, you'll be kind of seeing a theme a little bit later on. Oh, but boy. <laughs> you're be, um, so, Steph had actually an incredible year last. His stats were actually better than his 2016 MVP run. Like, in terms of, like, volume. And I think his efficiency was, like, up there, if not better. It might be a little slightly worse. because. But the main thing... The main, Difference was the talent around him did not fit. Kelly Oubre did not fit into the Warriors' offense, even though he was great on the defensive end. And, and like Draymond Green is is who Draymond Green is. He's a great fit next to Curry, but is a ultimately very limited offensive player. And you know James Wiseman, they just they just I don't know why they thought he could be Andrew Bogut and just try to make him into Andrew Bogut. But like having him try to play that role just was not to his strengths and it kind of tanked the, tanked the team a, a bit. like I think uh, I think I saw a video from Ben Taylor. Um, I think what, with Wiseman on the with Wiseman in the lineup they were at about a four the Warriors were on like a 40 win uh, 40 win pace basically like at the end of the season. But unfortunately, I guess for him, as soon as he was out because he had a meniscus tear, they were winning at a 60-win pace without him. And it's like, it's a really unfortunate for him. It's not his fault because, you know, you're, you're you're relying on a 19-year-old to run advanced center, basically do very advanced center duties, and it was, he just wasn't ready for it. But this year, they're it looks like they're more committed to the offensive end. And, you know, they they got, they got you know, Belly, who's a great three-point shooter and a very good passer and also a, a drill penetration threat. They got Otto Porter, who's, you know, a great uh, spot-up shooter and, like, can sh- shoot off the move a little bit. And who else did they get? I don't think they got anyone else other than that. But I'll, we'll get to another player later on. But the offensive fit overall is so much better around Steph. And if he, he can produce the same numbers that he did last year, like he and they make the playoffs. Like I mean, he didn't make the playoffs, and he was somehow top three in MVP voting, which was interesting. Like I, I think if they make the playoffs and c- if Clay comes back at simply around, or take seventy percent. Although honestly, I have my doubts about Clay's, uh, Clay's greatness when he comes back. I think if as long as he makes it like to the playoffs at around the four seed, like, just around there i think he's winning the mvp
1: mm. very interesting yeah he was very close uh last year i think by he
0: was think... he was third
1: he was third he was third oh i thought he was like like borderline uh Nikola yokich's uh votings
0: well the i mean i i don't think it was i don't think it was anywhere close i think. I think Jokic won by quite a landslide I think second was Joel Embiid But Embiid, remember, missed 20 games Because yeah. of an injury mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, Jokic was Simply just healthy, and also Like, as soon as Jamal Murray went down He turned it up another level Like, you, you probably don't remember It much because they didn't fall off a cliff But, like, they somehow stayed steady And got better So, like, he definitely deserved the MVP and A lot of people were dismissing him this year And I feel it's really unfair to him like I mean, Jokic, Jokic deserved the MVP last year.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah.
0: Um. So yeah, you said LBJ was kind of your other guy. And my other guy was Kevin Durant. Ooh. Like really? I, I just think that Nets team is gonna destroy the league. Like, I, you know, we'll get into it a little bit later. But like, if Kyrie is gonna even play, I think I think actually I think if Kyrie plays, he's gonna have a um, Kevin Durant's gonna have a weaker case for the MVP because they're just too stacked. But I like if he doesn't play, if Kyrie doesn't play, like they're still good enough to destroy half the league. It's just too much offense on one team. And there, I think there's gonna roll over most teams and that's gonna probably lead to a lot of wins. And yeah, I think I think KD would have a good chance of winning it if like things break right. As long as like everyone is healthy. I mean like they, they were a very like, they got really snakebitten by injuries, and of course, they basically probably were the favorites to win it before, you know, uh, Kyrie went down and Harden blew out one of his hamstrings.
1: Yeah, I'd say he he could be potentially, I would say, maybe top three, now that you have mentioned KD.
0: was your third before I mentioned him?
1: To be honest, I was actually thinking about KD or, um, instead guy Jokic Katie or Jokic but that was like top five for me again
0: okay well yeah so those are kind of those that's my one and two if I was to pick a third I'd probably yeah I'd probably pick Giannis just because just because I think he's gonna go ball to the wall I I think and like he's going to put up numbers no matter what And you know if they if they get to a certain amount of wins if they're if they're like the first or second actually they probably have to be the first seed I think in order for them to win it in order for him to win the MVP because if I mean the other the other option for the first seed is Kevin Durant and (laughs) or is are the Nets and if they're the first seed it probably means Kevin Kevin's probably playing at a really high level. Mm -hmm. I won't go into a dark I won't go into the dark horse candidates too much um just because you know we could we could go for hours on okay. that but yeah. if you were to pick a dark if just a random guy not, not a random guy but like if, if there's a guy that you like kind of think could win mvp but probably won't like who would you pick
1: uh maybe luca
0: well that's that's actually a pretty good pick i i personally don't think jason i think jason is going to tank that team so (laughs) that's my opinion although i've i've said before i don't think coaching matters as much as people think it does matter in the playoffs like when like every little thing matters but in the regular season luca will just you know eat most teams alive by himself Mm -hmm. so yeah i think it i mean you know MVP is a lot about you know narratives and kind of the story you can build build around a guy's candidacy, and you know Luca overcoming Jason Kidd, like you know that's a hurdle, oh, yeah. like that could be used to boost his uh, MVP case. All right, so now that you put your dark cores, I'll put mine. I'll, I think James Harden actually has a really good chance of winning it. Oh really? But that would he was really good last year. Like, yeah. Did, Don't forget, like, Kyrie and KD were out for a lot. Like, KD, you know, because of his returning from uh, the Achilles injury, and also he got COVID in the middle of the season and, like, missed a a chunk of games and had a hamstring thing with him, too. And, like, Kyrie just randomly decided to take a vacation for no reason. Mm -hmm. And during that period, James Harden was carrying this team. It's one of the reasons why he got injured towards the end of the season. Like he put up some crazy ass numbers, and the only reason why he wasn't in the MVP discussion was because of the Houston fiasco, you know, going to strip clubs, showing up fat, and just calling his teammates trash basically at the at his at his last press conference. Like they were gonna give him the MVP, but he had a great case last year, and you know, again, never calling for injuries. But like if KD can't play, like let's say he just misses a chunk of games, somebody's got to carry them, and I think James Harden can. Mm, I see. Take a sip of water there. Okay. All right. Well, now that that case has been talked about, let's move on to the next one. Rookie of the Year. Give me. You know what? Let, let's do it this one. Give me your top three, from one to three. Oh boy, I didn't even do my top. <laughs> I only got one right now. Okay, then just go with your one.
1: I, just, uh, I mean, our very own Davion Mitchell. Okay. And to be honest, I'll put, probably put Kate Cunningham at third.
0: Okay. okay make, your, make your cases. Oh, actually, no, go, go with the third and then make your case
1: for each of them. Let's see. I don't have a second yet. But Davion Mitchell, I feel like he will have a bigger impact for, um, you know, our team compared to other guys. I'm not sure. Well, then again, I haven't what at other uh whatchamacallit 2021 draft picks from other teams but so far from what i've seen from davion i think his impact will give him a great case to uh, becoming rookie of the year in terms of whether his defense or you know his offense in uh, terms of coming off of uh, college seems uh, to improve in the i guess slight way i don't know because I didn't watch him in college. But yeah, I guess we'll see during the regular season because I think his impact will give him a great case for Rookie of the Year.
0: I mean, I, he's actually my dark horse. Oh. I mean, he, he would probably be my number three. Like okay. some, because I think, well, I'll, I'll go with my first one. I think Kay Cunningham's probably going to win it. Um, mm-hmm. And sec, second one is probably Jalen Green. He's going to put up a lot of numbers and, you know, I, I just think, you know, that for the most part, most most awards, like, you know, we'll, we'll get into one later on as well. But, like, of the rookie of the year, usually just goes to whoever scores the most.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, I think Cade, like, he's already, he's basically a, a six foot eight point guard who can also shoot, is basically what he is. And yeah. he's going to be able to put up, like, say, 17, 18 points a game with, like, six or seven assists. And that's gonna that's a great stat line for you know to make a case for rookie of the year. Jalen Green is gonna just go get buckets. He has no expectations really. Like he's basically gonna be the primary scorer for that team. The only other one is probably uh Kevin Porter Jr. And he's gonna just put him up and probably will jack his way to you know twenty something points on forty percent shooting. Mm. He's just gonna he's just gonna do that. And then Davion will probably be my number three. Mm-hmm. So I, so I first think so my main case to make for him is is that the Kings were the worst defense of all time last year if somehow they are even I, I would say the baseline would be they somehow get to 20th in defense Mm-hmm. Most of that, I think, is going to be credited to Davion Mitchell. And the narrative will be there. He's, he, what, he is the culture changer. That might just be it. His nickname might not even be Off Night anymore. It's going to be culture changer. <laughs> and, and he changed the culture of the, of the Kings' defense. And he, he set the tone. And he has somehow, by, by just miracles upon miracles, made the Kings into a competent defense. And then on offense he's gonna be it's like he's he's not a scrub he's very polished on that end like he can shoot his finishing is a bit questionable just because he's really short but like you can click like from the games i've seen he's clearly worked on his kind of in-between game he's got you know he's shooting that floater a little bit and he's you know he's got some dribble moves to you know set up a mid-range jump shot he's working he's really working on things that he. People, like, he knows what to work on. This is what I'm getting at. And, like, his offensive package, I think, is going to be able to produce at an efficient level. Not on a volume level. I don't think he's going to score more than, say, 12 points a game. But, again, his defensive impact, along with just a perfectly plug-and-play plug and kind of offensive style, will make a strong case for him to be Rookie of the Year. I think that, that, unfortunately, that relies on the Kings being good as a team. And it's going to be kind of the same thing as last year, where, you know, De'Aaron, like, for a stretch, was, like, looking to probably become an all-star, but then the team fell off a cliff. And, you know, he was out of that uh, all-star contention. It's going to be the same thing with Davion. It's going to be relying a lot on the Kings being, as a whole, being good. Him to, rent, to even get close to rookie of the year because, like, let's be honest, like, K. Cunningham has name value. Jalen um, Green, to a certain degree, has name value. Only the ha- most hardcore of nerds even watch, even remotely, pay attention to the Kings. I-, I have, I have listened to so many guys that you know I respect that I listen to all the time that watch like ba- essentially as many games as they can. They don't sniff the Kings. Because there simply are too many other teams to watch and why would they want to watch the Kings
1: oh I see
0: so it's it's just one of those things they, people just don't pay attention to Sacramento and unless we're good why would they ever have any reason to I see okay so make uh, I guess make your make your quick case for K Cunningham uh, and if you want to make a case for a third guy you can not, we can move on to most improved.
1: For K Cunningham, so far we how Has he Has he played any preseason? Uh, I believe
0: he has, but he did sit out the latest one.
1: Mm. Uh. Not gonna lie, I I should have uh, researched this more because I didn't think we were gonna choose like three of each. But uh, yeah probably won't say too much about kate kind uh as my dark horse yeah i guess
0: okay well you know so sorry for just kind of hitting you with this crossover but sometimes you know like i mean you 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 and me went to college sometimes the professor just like to hit you with a pop quiz <laughs> and, this, and this unfortunately for you is basically the mba podcast version of a pop quiz and you have failed all right uh... let's uh, let's move on to most improved um, so most improved, do you have a candidate? I want to say it was. <laughs> I
1: want to wait. To be, make it to all be fair, key.
0: to be fair, most improved is like the hardest one to ever predict.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go with another king, and that's Tyrese Halbert
0: Tyrese, I mean, like the same thing with same thing, I guess, as last one. It's he's gonna be a dark horse one for me. I, unless the Kings are good, I don't see yeah. him really getting any buzz. W- what is your uh, process for choosing him?
1: For me, as long as he's healthy, of course, and Tephi <laughs> plays maybe <clears throat> maybe 70 games out of the 80, uh, somewhat games. Uh, his stat line, to me, I mean, I'm surprised his stat line is 13, 3, and 5 as in 13 points per game three uh rebounds and five assists i i feel like him as a player he could improve uh more especially since uh, there's training camp and you know uh an actual like rest period before the next season uh from his rookie season and i'm i have a feeling that in terms of uh, production he could at least average maybe 17 points uh rebounds i'm not going to count and maybe six or seven assists a game
0: okay um that's a that's a pretty good case so one thing i will note about the most improved it's unfortunately the same thing with a lot of uh, awards there's got to be a pretty big score jump now i th- i believe he averaged about 13 points a game last year how many points do you think he would uh be averaging if he were to win it
1: if he were to win it like I said I'm hoping at
0: least 17-18 17-18 yeah like it's gotta be around 20 I think for him to win it that's why he would be one of my dark horse candidates and again like you you use the word impact now impact is not easily detectable for the most part Uh. I mean the only way it's detectable is that the kings win games right and so, again, it relies on the Kings winning games. And that's a proposition that is dicey at the best of times. And, you know, and again, like most people, even the biggest NBA nerds, don't watch the Kings. So, like, the, the Kings are... Uh, I for, Okay, so there was a movie once called, uh, I think, Easy A by uh, Emma Emma Stone she Mm -hmm. said something along the lines of so like she basically was describing herself as being an invisible girl that nobody in in her high school ever notices and one of her lines that all randomly just came to me but was i could be a 10 foot i could be a 10 story building in new york or like a hundred story building in new york city and google maps still wouldn't be able to find me okay that's kind of how invisible the Kings are, except they're not a 10 foot, 10, you know, a hundred story foot building Yeah. or a hundred story building. They're, they're basically a street in an obscure ass corner in a, in a suburban area. Like it, it. It's very, <laughs> my point is there, no one really pays attention to them. And unless they're going to win a lot of games and somehow like surprise everybody, Reese is just not going to get much love. Think, unfortunately,
1: yeah, I can see what you mean.
0: Okay, well, I, uh, you know what, off the top of my head, because honestly, I didn't think about this one that much either. Of course, you know, as I mentioned, I think Tyrese could, would be one of my dark horses. I just don't think he will get enough press to win it. Um, another guy, one guy I'm really looking forward to playing or getting better. I just lost my train of thought, but I, I'm really interested in Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> he's been he's being paid he's being paid now. Like he's gonna have expectations, and like my so my expectation like my image of him was always that he was kind of like first of all he's like six ten so he can mostly just shoot over guys from three and that's what he does, and like he's a really good cutter who feeds off of Jokic who's you know the best passing big man of all time. But the, I always thought he could, like, attack off the dribble a lot better, but he, he's not that, actually. And he doesn't actually, like, create shots from isos much. And part of that is Mike Malone just kind of, like, putting, like, chains on him to not let him just go crazy. You know, understandable to a certain degree. This year, without Jamal Murray, I want to see him unleashed. And I think he could—I think—I don't—I forgot what he scored last year, but I think he could be a 25-point-per-game score this year. Ooh. Ooh. You know, as, without Jamal Murray, like scoring's got to come from somewhere, and Jokic can't do it all.
1: Yeah. I see what you mean. Mm. I don't know. We, I guess we got to see. I, I, I'm having uh, weary thoughts about Mike Kapoor Jr., because I'm not sure if mm, you could get to that. I mean, offensively, you could get to that one, of course, but. I guess we we'll are have to see.
0: My other guy, now this is, this is a, I'm kind of jumping the shark here because this is also my sixth man of the year pick. I'm going to pick Jordan Poole from the Warriors. Jordan Poole, really? You Now, first, first question I want to ask you, you know who Jordan Poole is.
1: <laughs> Not really.
0: <laughs> okay. So a little bit of background on Jordan Poole. He, like I listened to a lot of Warriors Plus Minus uh, on The Athletic, and they, I basically followed much of the career Jordan Poole since his rookie year. He was, I believe, the 28th pick by the Warriors. And his first season was the season where Steph got injured, Clay was out with the ACL, and Draymond couldn't be bothered to give a shit. And also D'Lo was there at one point. So that was the team that he was on. And he comfortably was one of the worst players in the league <laughs> that year just couldn't make a shot, you know, had a bunch of turnovers, had tu- had tunnel vision, basically was just thrown to the world and just got eaten alive. Like, but he came back last year, was a little better at the beginning of the season. But then he went to the G league bubble. And when he came back, he was an absolute revelation for the warriors. And he was one of the keys. And unfortunately for you know another guy another guy I keep mentioning uh james wiseman after so he came back right as james wiseman basically got injured and Poole was one of the catalysts for like the explosion down the stretch that the warriors had where they were winning at a 60 pin 60 win pace and w- the reason why was because he ha- when he was drafted he was always kind of known as a shooter but in his first year, he just couldn't hit shots. As soon as he came back from the bubble in his second year, he was nailing shots. So he, so he was a guy that could shoot and also handle the ball. And that just unlocked the Warriors' offense. By the end, it got so he was so good that Steve Kerr started playing him in crunch time, and he was winning them games. I think he had a game winner against the Pelicans late in the late in the season, and he was huge. Like in in that, uh, in that Warriors game and in the Grizzlies game, which they ultimately lost at the end of the season to, you know, get eliminated from the playoffs. He showed so many signs last year, and he is looking even better this coming year uh, in the preseason so far. He's hidden. I don't know if you've seen the highlight of him just crossing, <laughs> crossing uh, at Wayne Ellington up, just putting him on skates. He is, he's g- and like he also has the green light to just shoot any three that he wants, and he's shooting them at a very high percentage and at a very high volume as well. We'll see if that carries into the into the regular season, but he is he is going to be that guy for the King or the Kings, the the, the Warriors. And if the Warriors are going to make the playoffs, and if Steph is going to have like play the way he plays like that he did last year, like Jordan Poole can very much be six man of the year just like with what he contributes to that team how important he is to that team and also like i think his stats are gonna go through the roof as well
1: that'll be interesting maybe i should watch more warriors game to get a better idea of who he is
0: Will you be watching more warriors games or will you be watching more wrestling
1: oh that's a that's a good question I'll probably be watching more Warriors highlights than wrestling highlights, but you could say that.
0: Isn't that incredible? Like, you're somehow going to watch even less of both. It's somehow, it's, uh, okay. Give me your six man of the year.
1: Uh, six man. That's, that's also a hard one.
0: Oh, actually. uh, No, no, never mind. Yeah. Six man. Sorry. Six man.
1: What? Oh, okay. I was going to go with Davion again, but I'm going to go with someone different. I didn't. It's the year of... Uh, it, it's, it was hard for me to think of one, but I'm thinking maybe Joe Ingalls this time around. Since, Joe Ingalls? Uh, since Jordan Clarkson won it uh, last season. And Joe Ingalls was not too far behind, too. I mean, he was the one that uh, gave uh, Jordan Clarkson the trophy, I guess you could call it.
0: I I have to check this, but I think he was either like third third or even second possibly. Um let me yeah let me just check. But yes, he is a he is a very good player and like fills a very good role like mm-hmm. for that team. but it's it's unfortunately it always kind of falls back on this and especially with the sixth man of the year, it's whoever just scores the most coming off the bench. It's really what it is. <sighs> It's, it's always kind of been it's the reason why Jamal Crawford has won it, won it so many goddamn years even though like I mean he's he's a good he's a good player but at the same time I'm just like he doesn't help you win much yeah. <laughs> he just scores a lot of points and it, it, it's in a different way but like Lou Will has won it a bunch of times yeah it's kind of the same thing yeah.
1: this is one of the reasons why I didn't want to find like the most points per game person to be six man
0: so, yes, Joe Ingles was third in uh, Sixth Man of the Year. And you want to guess who number two was?
1: Number two? I actually don't know.
0: I'll give you a clue. He was on the Knicks.
1: Oh, D. Rose? D. E. Rose. That would be probably a dark course. But uh, to me, I don't know. D. Rose.
0: I think, I think he very much could be, but I think... Oh he, well, him and Emmanuel quickly will probably end up splitting the vote. So yeah, I don't think they're going to be the finalists, but he'd be a great candidate. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know who? Yeah, they just signed Kemba, so you know they're they're definitely going to be relegated to six man roles And yeah, I mean, good luck, good luck, New York. Let's see how that goes.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> will they make it to the playoffs again? Who? Oh,
0: they'll make the see? they'll make the playoffs, but I. Think they're going to be in the play-in range because they were the four seed last year, and if I remember right, the four seed was like literally a few wins away from the from the play-in. If I
1: remember right. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a weird seed in, in the East.
0: Let me just check real quick, ESPN. So they were the four seed, and uh, yeah, basically it was. I mean, it was a five game difference, which is pretty big, but still like a few wins here or there i actually expect the knicks to kind of drop off a little bit yeah yeah just because like they won a lot of close games and like those are the kinds of teams that are usually in for a very in for kind of not a 180 in terms of wins but like they will start to lose a lot more games even though they did add more talent in kemba and m4 Mm-hmm. Okay, six man. My, I already said my six man of the year. Yeah. Another dark horse, of course. You know, you said Davion, and I think again, this really relies on the Kings being good. Yeah. And again, if he if he is somehow like able to again change the culture and just make him a competent op, def, a competent defense, and also be able to contribute well on de- offense, which I think he will, I think he has a pretty good chance of like all these awards, honestly.
1: Uh, yeah I mean <laughs> I mean we wanted to choose some Kings guys so I guess we'll see
0: okay I don't really have another one uh, just to randomly throw throw one in there just because I just saw his name uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. possibly although I think it's going to be the same thing he had last year because Jalen Brunson is also really good off the bench and they probably will end up splitting the votes so,
1: yeah hmm. I guess we'll shree. Sh-
0: okay, we shall shree instead. Uh, <laughs> okay, last one. Defensive player of the year. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to
1: lie. I, I might choose Rudy Gobert. <laughs> or I am choosing Rudy Gobert. Well, and uh, as, my, as my second choice, it would be Giannis.
0: Uh Okay, that's actually a better choice. um. Uh, man i guess like don't get me wrong rudy gobert is a six man a six man <laughs> he is a, <laughs> he is a he is a top 10 defense all on his own like that team was really exposed last year for not having really any good perimeter defenders at all mm-hmm. it just so happens that they have the best room protector of this generation like you know since probably ben wallace probably and dwight at his peak but like rudy is you know statistically and if you if you say yeah he again he is a top 10 defense all on his own right yeah but then you just hear the stories of how no one (laughs) respects him (laughs) i can't i just can't in the right mind ever vote for him just because like i i guess i mean like uh, what's his name? Dorian Finney-Smith from the Mavericks last year just, like, basically saw that Rudy Gobert was on him and after the game told reporters, which, you know, maybe he was just a little hyped up He, he said, I saw Rudy Gobert on me and I knew I was going to be able to get up shots.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, there is no respect for this man. And, like, we saw it kind of in the Clippers series. Like, you know, shit on the perimeter defenders all you want. They got to the paint. Like, uh, granted, it is Reggie Jackson, he has a a level of confidence that I'm not sure most people have. Like, Reggie Jackson just got to the rim and just scored over him. Like, just there was just no fear of him. And it, it just always bothers me. Like this this world this world beater on like on defense just receives so little respect from so many players that I just and also just something about him it just feels whiny he just feels like he's hes not cool Like I guess will, will be my way of like saying it and it's just I, I don't want to vote for him so instead yeah. oh sorry what were you going to say
1: oh no I, no, I was just going to say I understand your point and to be honest yeah I don't want to vote for him either again for this uh, year but you know choices are kind of slim in my opinion, but I guess it all depends on how they do well or how the other candidates do uh, in the regular season defensively. Of course, offensively is you know number one priority for most of these guys anyway. So yeah, uh, you you could go. On.
0: Yeah. So this is a really dumb pick by me because this is a guy that is notorious for never being healthy. But when he is on the court. He himself is a top ten defense all on his own. That's Joel Embiid. Oh, I think Joel. I honestly think Joel Embiid's just as good as Rudy Gobert, which is another thing that I just. I'm sorry, I I can I don't respect. <laughs> I don't respect him either. It's like it's just one of those things, and I think I think if Joel Embiid plays give or take sixty five games, I think I think Joel Embiid wins it. My second pick would probably end up being uh, Giannis because Giannis is a is a very good help defender. His on ball defense is actually very shaky, but he is a great help defender, and you know he mm-hmm. is very switchable. Switchable, and I'm gonna have four guys for this. Another guy that really does need it, like to win it at some point. AD needs to win it at some point. Like, remember how good on defense Giannis was last year? Mm-hmm. Like in the finals, especially. Like, AD can do all of that. Probably actually better because A D can actually guard the perimeter a lot better than uh Giannis can. And I think at some point he probably will end up winning one. Although it's the same case with Joel Embiid, Like he's he's not he just probably isn't gonna be healthy. You know, my my marker, the sixty-five game marker, like I think if he plays sixty-five games, I think I think they're you're gonna I think he's gonna be in the running for it. And we'll see what kind of magic that Frank Vogel can do with. Know the defense because, I mean, I was I was not expecting like the Lakers defense for the past two years to be you know, that good. Like they have suspect guys on that team that are not great defensively, but you know Frank Vogel's able to coach them up. So so we'll have to see what kind of magic he can work with this with this Lakers team.
1: Yeah, I guess we shall see.
0: And because I only came up with what was it two most improved or. Or I don't know two six-man of the years just because I, I, I couldn't think of any other one. I'm gonna give you a fourth uh, defensive player of the year, and this guy is a dark, 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 dark horse, and, I'll, and you'll know why as soon as I say his name. Because speaking of guys that probably aren't gonna play all 82 games, I'm gonna pick Ben Simmons. Oh, I I was about to dig about him to be honest. I just I don't sure. know. I just don't know when that that situation is gonna be resolved.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you, you have a, a fair chance that he might be traded to the
0: Kings? Uh, because I, at this point, I don't think it's uh,
1: gonna be happening.
0: I, I forgot who said this. I think it was, I think it was the either Rich Hoffman or Derek Bogner. They're the athletic reporters for the Sixers. So think of this. Think of it as think of these tiers for trade targets for Daryl Morey. So mm-hmm. tier one is Dame Lillard and Bradley Beal. That's his, that, those are the packages he wants, right? Those yeah. are the tier ones. Now, he, now mo- both of these packages are more than likely just not going to happen because of just, they're not available and it doesn't, and unless shit, unless shit just really hits the fan, probably won't be available for a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, but that's the Holy grail. And he is, go and Daryl Morey is, I guess, is willing to hold out for that so those are the go-to options and then you have the second options uh the probably like the secondary stars let's just say like maybe maybe kind of an all-star like indiana has a pretty intriguing package although people have brought up why would indiana ever do this malcolm brogdon uh caris lavert and maybe even like like maybe even flip them for like a miles turner even like those guys are really good players that you could get for um get for simmons and then cj McCollum is also in that tier right like really good player probably a really good fit for the sixers and then there's the third tier where yeah you just got to get some value back for him like you know the kings with marvin bagley and buddy Hield and probably picks that's probably like they i think at a certain point you probably just have to include davion in it I think, I think that's just going to be something that the Sixers are just going to keep asking for because we're not giving them Halliburton. We're not giving them Fox. Yeah. So I think that... So we're in the third tier. And then the, another guy in the third... Another team in the third tier would be uh, Timberwolves with, um, you know, Jane McDaniels and Malik Beasley and probably have to include D'Angelo Russell in there. And, like, so if you think about it that way, we're in the third tier of like just trade value. So that so like after saying that like no I don't see, I don't see there being much of a chance. Like especially that package like you know that you know what many kings fans have dubbed the universal package is buddy marvin and Picks. Mm-hmm. I we might just have like a maybe a 15% chance of that package working. Mm-hmm. I would to put a number on it. And if you include Davion, it probably jumps up like, you know, two times, like say 30, 40%, maybe. And if, you know, God forbid, somehow Fox or Halliburton are, is, in that, is in that package, that's probably 80%. Right? Yeah.
1: Uh, sadly. I just want to see some moves happen, I guess you could say. And so I. As of right now, Kings. Uh, the Kings' lineup, I think. Oh, I mean, I'm perfectly fine with that, of course, compared to last season. But uh, I just want to see something happen because Ben Simmons, big asset for any team, but it could also mean uh, trading away other big assets just to get him. So, yeah.
0: I mean the. I mean the unfortunate thing is that. I mean I I want to see this deal happen too I don't want to give up anything of value and but at the same time you got to think from the Sixers perspective they got to recoup value somehow right Mm -hmm. so I mean we have to probably include you know at least Davion and I'm very skittish about doing that and yeah I, I don't see this situation going anywhere for the Kings and honestly like I mean just looking at this team I'm just I'm so done with Buddy I'm just so done with him (laughs) yeah he's ready to move he's probably ready to move on and honestly most of sack is as far Mm -hmm. as I know at least most of Kings Twitter. maybe maybe there's a lot more fans like you know that aren't on the internet that probably don't mind buddy but like I'm done (laughs) I'm so done with him oh and you know some sort of move needs to be made with buddy and hopefully it's for a good asset and hopefully it does relate to Ben Simmons in one way or another yeah, but Ben Simmons, defensive player of the year, Dark Horse, it will very much depend on the games he plays. And if he wants to be traded to the Kings, I just said that if Davion can get them to a to a top 20 in defense, like, I mean, he has a very good chance of one of rookie of the year or possibly even sixth man of the year. But like if if Ben Simmons comes here, I think he can very I think the possibility of him being able to elevate the Kings to a top 20 defense without us giving up too much. I mean, you, you got you gotta consider Ben Simmons for that, right? He turned the worst defense of all time into something competent.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know, I see. Uh.
0: And, and same thing with uh, what's it called, the Timberwolves? He was a to be, be traded to the Timberwolves, and they didn't have to give up. Like, I don't think they will. Like, they say they did not have to give up Anthony Edwards or Cat. Mm-hmm. Like, and elevates them to a good defense. That's a, that's another candidacy right there because they weren't that they weren't that much better than the Kings on defense so last year so you know th- there's a lot of narrat- narratives there.
1: I see. Uh, I guess we shall see.
0: Okay, well that's it for the awards. Um, okay, well let's move on to the second to last uh, topic that we have, which is. We're gonna we're gonna go over the Kings' uh, first six games, and we're gonna I th- i we might do this for the entire season. We're, I'm gonna go I'm gonna do this at the beginning. We're gonna do this at the beginning of the month. We're gonna list out all the Kings' games, and we're gonna pick out whether or not we think they're gonna win, and what we think their record is gonna be at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. So, I'm gonna list out all the all the teams that are, they're gonna play in October. It's gonna be six teams and you tell me whether or not you think they're going to win and we're going to tally up the wins basically the Kings' record by the end of October mm-hmm. okay so let's start with uh, the Blazers
1: I that's if iffy one for me that's a worldwide like 50-50 I think I think we could pull it off oh I could say I think we could pull it off with a win starting off the season
0: I would agree with you there like You know like you gotta you gotta start off strong you gotta bring that energy we'll see we'll just see like if you gotta just hope that McCollum and Lillard are somehow a little off a little rusty for for whatever reason Um, and you hope you can pull that game out Um, yeah I mean like we I mean we were in a dogfight for a while against their you know their third their second second and second and slash third unit like, you hope that King can bring the intensity and just close them out early, but like you know, they, Dame and CJ are on the other team, and those guys can get buckets. And I have mentioned before, like we're gonna know if Dave, we're gonna know how good Davion is is gonna be on defense real quick, because he is gonna go through a gauntlet of guards.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so we both have have that as a win, so theoretically the Kings will be one zero. All right, next game. Uh, against the Jazz, against Donovan Mitchell, and the greatest uh, defender that we will never vote for defensive play of the year, um, Rudy Gobert. Do you think, what do you think that will be?
1: I think, to be honest, it might be a loss, in my opinion.
0: I'm going to go bold. I think we're going to win this one. You know what, the Jazz are still shell-shocked from Terrence Mann. You know, they're just they're just so scared of giving up open threes that they're not going to learn anything and we're going to just play paris and barnes at the five <laughs> and he's going to score a bunch of points and we're going to pull that one out that's going to be my prediction
1: okay i guess we'll see <laughs>
0: All right, so you have that as an l i'll have that as a win so you so i am 2-0 and you're 1-1
1: let's see we should, we should write this down to see... I am writing it down. Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Okay. Next one, Warriors against my MVP and my sixth man of the year.
1: <laughs> I think this is also an L for me.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, it's a tough one for me. It's like really... Because, you know, I, I like the Warriors. Uh, I like a yeah. lot of people. I am, a, I am actually kind of a Warriors fan. I did follow them through much of their dynasty run. And... uh. Yeah, I mean, this is. I got some uh, conflict of interest here. You know what? Yeah. Steph and Jordan Poole can start their MVP and Six Man of the Year campaigns a few games later. Um, I'll, I'm going to call that a win. Well,
1: that Kings win? Or Kings Warriors
0: win? win? Kings win! Geez, starting off strong, I see. Yeah, I mean, like the, you, the Kings got to start out strong, like they got to get they got to bank in as many wins as possible at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to I'm going to be on the optimistic side, even though they have burned me so many times. I I should never do this. I can't help it, man. Crack addict. OK. <laughs> All right. Um, Any questions before we move on to the Suns?
1: I don't know, but for me, the Suns. Mm, that might be uh Ooh, that that's a tough one. Uh, i could gonna be negative and say no.
0: You know, I'm I'm really debating on this one. I I'm leaning on the side of uh, losing this one. Uh-huh. But, you know what? Let, let's go back to smoke and crack. Let, all right, we're winning this one, too. We're 4-0. We're 4-0, baby. You are one You are one for three right now. Pretty much. Okay, well, I hope this one should be a W. Okay, next one. The Pelicans, most likely without Zion.
1: All right, it has to be a W, right?
0: So, like, let's just say the your prophecy comes true and the Kings just drop off basically all the games other than the Blazers. This one is a must win. If yeah. they lose this one, it, I, I won't say I'll lose all hope because guess what? It, it just it, I, I'll always have hope for this team. Like, I can't help it. But like, oh, my God, this will this will be the in Luke Wallen's first season. Remember when we lost to the Hornets? That's that was when things got real dark. I will, If we lost to the Pelicans, it would be the equivalent of that game. <sighs> Man. Mm. So just to be sure, uh, you're saying uh, W, right? I'm going with that. Yes. Okay, so we both have us winning the Pelicans, and to close out the uh, close out the month of October against the Luca and Jason Kidd Mavs.
1: <laughs> I'd say another W.
0: Yeah, let's hope. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna pick W for this one too, just because, like, I I don't know what to think of Jason Kidd just yet. I haven't watched any maps games either, but I I haven't heard good things. I'll just say yeah. that. Um, and uh, I mean, let let's hope they just keep missing from three. I mean, that was what happened last year. They just couldn't hit open threes. Oh yeah. Okay, so the final tally of the score. I probably should give it. I probably should have just said we, we lose the Suns game because I went six and zero. Oh. <laughs> okay, really? You went all Ws, huh? I went six and zero. Oh, you went three, three, three. for three. Mm. Okay. So chances are your result is probably much more likely. I just feel the Kings are gonna end up just dropping one. You know one of the four first like a few at least like two of the first four games those are some damn good teams and it, it, i mean i'm on the optimistic side that's just my nature and just you know the hope for this team my hope for this team will just i mean i haven't been a, a full-time kings fan for a while but my hope is just just it just keeps burning just keeps burning and yeah, i'm just gonna have high hopes for this team and hopefully they don't burn me six and zero in the month of october
1: and three for free for me
0: all right so let's uh let's get our fingers crossed and hopefully it's closer to my selection than yours okay now that that's over with let's go to some uh miscellaneous news to end the podcast so let's uh start out with this uh so, basically, right after we recorded, it was announced that the Nets simply aren't going to let Kyrie play until he is a full-time participant. That was kind of the language that they used. Basically, what it means is that if he's not getting vaccinated, he's not playing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: So, I mean, are you surprised that the that the Nets actually took this stance?
1: Uh... I'm, yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised. I mean, I guess it's a step forward. And, you know, if he's not all in, he's uh, not going to be, you know, participating. He has to be all in or, all, you know, all out. There's two choices.
0: I was just surprised. I, I honestly thought that he was going to do the part time thing. That was just going to be a thing. And Oh, like, really? part of me just thought like i mean we we both said like if he was on our team we probably would put up with him to a certain yeah. degree but the more i think about it like if katie is not on this team on on the nets i don't think the nets put up with this bullshit at all actually and the fact that they actually pulled the trigger on this is probably probably means that one probably one or both of katie and harden are kind of sick of Kyrie shit so it's just uh I mean, it was, it surprised me. I thought they were going to do the part-time thing with how awkward that would be just having him in and out of the lineup and him basically them having to adjust their uh, starting lineup a bunch. And just, I just thought they were going to put up with it. And the Nets are also like notorious for being like the, they coddle their, their superstars a lot. Like. I, I think I think a report came out that like Joe Tsai, the owner of the Nets, like pays for an apartment for like a, a nice apartment in New York for Kyrie's girlfriend. Like, and I, I forgot what KD had, but like basically it was just a bunch of like extra luxury stuff that they just gave to these guys, which you would think is common, but it's not as common as the, as that as what they do. Um, so yeah, I you I, I'll say I was very surprised and. Kyrie did a um ig live basically kind of explaining his side of the story because like there hasn't been that much coming out from his side like most of it has just been reporting and sources saying this and saying that but he decided to do an ig live just to kind of explain his stance and one of the one of the quotes that came out of it i don't have the quote in front of me but It was something along the lines of he wants to be the voice for the voiceless, meaning like the people who don't want to be vaccinated. He's not he says he's not anti-vax, but he doesn't like the fact that the mandate is making people lose their jobs. He doesn't want essentially the government to be dictating whether or basically forcing or shaming people into getting the vaccine. Um, I guess I mean, what are your thoughts on this?
1: oh man I don't I'm sorry I can't repeat that please because it's kinda I don't know
0: Yeah, sorry that was a little long but like yes basically he said he wants to be the voice for the voiceless he does he, he sees people losing their jobs and he wants b- basically being in his position being like very well off he wants to take a stand against I forgot the words he used, but like basically standing up against tyranny. And I'm actually trying to find his. uh... Okay, so so this is one of the quotes. It's about choosing what's best for you. Think I want to you think I really want to lose money. You think I want to give up on my dream to go after a championship. You think I really just want to give up my job. This is my life. I get to do whatever I want with this. There's one body that that I get here and you're telling me what to do with my body. This has everything to do with what's going on in in our world and i am being grouped into something that is bigger than just a game of basketball. And okay, for Okay, i can't find the rest of his quote, but the, that's kind of the gist of it. Any thoughts on that? Uh
1: I guess some way he's Man, I don't know. It's it's like uh, I see where he's getting at, but at the same time, we're we're trying to look out for each other, and it seems like he's more of I'm thinking for myself in kind of a way.
0: Okay, so here's kind of my you know my long-winded take on his on, so. I think I, I've said before I think Kyrie's a good guy yeah I, I don't think he's I don't think he's a bad guy he definitely has very good intentions he's done a lot of great things um for the community yeah I, I didn't know about this but with the Keystone pipeline like that was being built around like tr- like Native American lands, he actually protested with them so like he's very kind of cognizant of like you know Native American issues and just basically he, he he's Been a very good person. He does great charity work, and you know, he's definitely he definitely wants to be a social like a figure for social justice. Now he probably sees this as an injustice because he is kind of right in that some people are losing their jobs because they don't want to get the vaccine and what you know whatever the reason is like there are like actual health concerns for some for a certain group of people that you know that if they get the vaccine it actually might cause them health problems because of genetics and and you know and other issues but that is actually i think a lot more you know I, I wanna, you know, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth on this one, but like, you know, that that does exist, and and that's probably who who he's fighting for. Unfortunately, I think the reality of it is that he is basically giving into the anti-vax, uh, anti-vax narrative, in that the government is forcing you to get this vaccine, and if you don't comply with them, they are going to punish you in a certain certain type of way. And he wants, and because he is in a much more privileged position. He feels that him taking a stance against this is going to is basically the right move in in the grand scheme of history. And I I can't believe I saw this, but someone on Twitter compared this to Muhammad Ali not wanting to fight for the Vietnam War.
1: Uh, yeah, I see.
0: Yeah. And, you know, if you if you guys didn't know, Muhammad Ali didn't want to fight for the Vietnam War. And I I don't have the exact quote. And I'm sorry for, you know, not having exact quotes for most of these. But he said something along the lines of why would I fight for a country that doesn't fight for me? Yeah. And, and that and, uh, in certain circles, that that quote has aged so well for just because, you know, America, you know, like racism still exists for much of this much of the country even though a lot of people like to d- deny it and he he really fought and he looks great in this grand scheme of history because of that quote he fought for what he believed in and it was the right cause unfortunately i again i don't think this is the right cause and th- he is this is not a muhammad ali situation i think this is actually more akin to the de- to demi lovato more than anything and and fong has been wondering why i have that note there Uh, For those of you guys that didn't know, Demi Lovato has just been saying some really stupid shit lately. Now, I'm sorry if you disagree with me, but like hers going into a, I think it was a a, a shop of sweets. Like basically like there's a bunch of like candy and like cookies and stuff like that. She goes into a store and then after she leaves, she posts an angry post on Twitter that saying that they shouldn't put cookies out there. Out to display, because she has an eating disorder, and because they have it, they are displaying the cookies. They are essentially tempting her to eat these, to eat these cookies, and puts her in a lot of stress.
1: Uh huh.
0: Yeah, that's basic. That was basically my reaction to it, and I'm sorry, Demi Lomano fans. That's fucking stupid. (laughs) Like, if you don't want to see it, it, I mean, you know, I'm, you know, like maybe you have to go into that store, but like, if you don't want to see it, don't go into that store, and like, not everything is about you. They are trying to display the cookies so that other people who may, who you know, most people don't have eating disorders, can can see their product and so that they can buy their products. I'm not gonna go into a huge tangent about this. It's basic, is very self-centered, um, just ideal idea that you are going to be able to fix the world with what you do and the world and honestly a mentality that the world revolves around you okay more recently this this was hilarious to me but uh, Demi Lovato also uh, basically so uh, I forgot how the conversation got there but she was on a podcast but where she was say where someone brought up the idea of are there aliens out there and Demi Lovato chimes in and says you know aliens is a very derogatory term and she and that aliens is it sh- we shouldn't use the word aliens we should use the word et what yeah, that, that <laughs> sure. happened
1: okay is, is that the reason why she has like some she's part of a show about ufos
0: because oh I've i don't been, oh, i don't know about that actually
1: I don't know. I've been seeing like advertisements of her and uh, like some sort of UFL show, and uh, I I'm gonna say that she's going off on the she's going down to the deep end. I
0: mean,
1: <laughs> of uh, that kind of I guess thoughts.
0: Okay. Well, sorry, sorry if you guys are you know if you, a lot of you have turned it off. I don't blame you because I'm going off on a really kind of just seemingly unrelated tangent but I'm, I'm gonna bring it back here so my point with these Demi Lovato stories Demi Lovato is a person what Bill this is a I mean he's not a very popular figure around many circles but to quote Bill Maher Demi Lovato is a martyr without a cause she thinks that she is this hero who's speaking out for the voiceless like because she has she's famous and like she can use her platform to promote good things the things that she thinks are right in this world but then you look at the causes she's trying to represent and you find out it's pro- it's mostly stupid and mostly bullshit and unfortunately that's where Kyrie is with a lot of this i just feel like the some of the stuff he says about personal freedom about being the voice for these voiceless people. I, I, like I get his intentions. He has good he I understand he has good intentions. He sees people losing their jobs and he and he feels that it's unfair and he feels that he has the platform to fight for these people. And sure there are there is a population of these people who do need like who you know can't take the vaccine and you know and you know they they let people know that they can't take the vaccine and they get shamed into it. But I I but what Kyrie is actually doing is kind of promoting, promoting anti-vax sentiment, like saying that it's your body. You can do with whatever, whatever you desire, basically promoting a rather selfish um, stance. Of a lot of people and, and enabling a lot of these anti-vaxxers to, you know, be selfish, even though his intentions are very much well and good. But I think he he doesn't understand that. And that he he right now is just kind of promoting promoting again anti-vax thought and anti-vax sentiment and overall ultimately the, the good that he's trying to do is contributing to more harm than good, mm-hmm. which I, I think ultimately is where I land on with him. He you know the world to hell is paid with good is usually paid with paved with good intentions, and that's that's kind of what I think of Kyrie. Like he's a great guy, and just so happens he he th- he wants to fight for fight, you know, for freedom on, on, on this issue, on the uh, vaccine issue. But unfortunately, it coincides with a lot of uh, topics and talking points that feed into kind of the feed, in, feed into a narrative that hurts the public good, which is everyone getting vaccinated and COVID to people. Like, I'm sorry that getting a vaccine is inconvenient for a lot of people, but, you know, understand that, you know, sometimes you can take, you can kind of take an L for the greater good. Sometimes, but, you know, that's not the mentality that most people go with. And, you know, it's unfortunate that Kyrie's kind of feeding into that.
1: Oh, man, that's a good, <laughs> that was a good long analogy. Oh, man well hopefully he sees some sort of light but i'm not gonna say anytime soon i'm not gonna say demi lovato because i'm pretty sure he has a bigger following than what demi lovato is thinking right now to be honest but yeah hopefully
0: i'll I, I, I guess i'll come to Kyrie's defense on this demi lovato just makes me face palm and lose hope for the world yeah. way more than what Kyrie does which is incredible yeah like, I, I mean Kyrie what what Kyrie does is a lot more harmful to the public yeah but what Demi Lovato does makes me want to makes me want to cut myself like how <laughs> can you be that stupid and honestly that level is self-centered it's it's a whole different kind of just um <laughs> like just uh what is wrong with you yeah makes me lose hope in the world is is legitimately like it it's just a different level of stupid
1: sadly yes
0: (laughs) okay moving on to moving off. i don't even know how to transition off of that well speaking of guys that can't play nba games zion is uh apparently out for another two weeks with his foot injury so he did have surgery on his foot and they they basically evaluated how he's healed and how his rehab is going, and determined that he's basically isn't ready to come back yet, and he will be re-evalu- reevaluated in two weeks. And uh, yeah, he'll probably miss the game against the Kings. That's how it kind of relates to the Kings. But overall, like man, this entire Zion and Pelicans thing is just so weird
1: man yeah he's what was the previous injury actually was it knee
0: uh he ended the uh, he so and the right before right before the end of the season i think he broke his thumb or something
1: oh yeah just a glass cannon i guess
0: i mean like i always describe zion as a human being that evolution has not caught up to like no. just just the size of the of the man that's just how much how much explosiveness, how much mass, how much just you know, two whatever, three hundred pounds of absolute beast that he is. Like a guy like that's that heavy, that goddamn strong, that goddamn dense and that goddamn explosive not the evolution just isn't ready for that and his body simply cannot handle that level of beast is how i usually describe him and this is just going to be a thing with him and you know and, and this is very scary just because like like i mean i was always worried about knee, his knees being like the biggest issue but like foot, having foot injuries like at that size like at that you know with that kind of weight and i i don't like that people kept making fun of him for being fat coming into like media day but like dude had a broken foot like what do you guys expect him to do he can't work out really like he can't really lose weight so like i don't blame it i I didn't like that people were making fun of him for being fat or looking fat
1: yeah he's just built different i mean plus i mean yeah being able to move all that i don't want to say weight all that muscle on the court like he does
0: we have we have a word for for zion from now on it's beast yeah,
1: yeah oh man that reminds me of uh Marshawn lynch <laughs> just a beast of a man but yeah being able to move all that in the court especially for what he can uh provide to pelicans is is crazy to think of
0: yeah and it's unfortunate because oh my god i, well, I only watched one game of them in the preseason like against the timberwolves like they just look so bad like Devonte graham at least from what i saw just like almost didn't look like an nba player they're playing play, that dude 55 million <laughs> um, like uh, it's it, it's gonna be ugly for a bit unless they find a way to turn around like again preseason really isn't anything but like I mean, the Timberwolves looked really good, and the Pelicans looked the opposite of that.
1: Oh yeah. Well, let's hope for the best for them, to be honest, because losing Zion now, yeah, I don't know how far they'll go. Maybe, maybe they'll be bottom of the play-in. Maybe, if Zion does come back towards the end.
0: I mean like the the play in is going to be pretty crowded I think. So the three teams that are probably going to be around the play in range are going to be the Kings, Timberwolves and Pelicans. And those are going and the Me- Memphis probably will be the, on the upper end or if not like right in the mix. Like I I think the Kings will kind of stay in that range. Uh, now of course if they go 6 and 0, they might, you know, fight for home court advantage for all we know. But you know, the more realistic scenario is them going 3 and 3 probably being right into that play-in mix with the Timberwolves, who, by the way, they looked really good. Right? They look kind of scary, and, like, you talk about positive vibes, like, coming into the camp, like, they got positive vibes as well. You know, they have a proven all-star in Cat Car Anthony Towns. Anthony Edwards is only getting better, and Hilo is there. Um, and, like, Jay McDaniels, like, is a, is a good wing. Like, he, they've got guys. And, you know, I think Timberwolves are going to be good. They're going to be right, I think, like, if, if it's on, like, you know, our optimistic view of the Kings, they're going to be right there with the Kings.
1: <sighs> well, let's hope that that's not the case because I want to be in the playoffs more than the Pelicans. <laughs> yeah,
0: the Pelicans and the Timberwolves. Yeah, Pelicans, yeah, they, they can wait. I mean, just...
1: <laughs>
0: well, actually, I don't know, like, uh, Zion is extension eligible at the end of the season and, they're probably going to offer it to him. And they sh- They need to. They- they- you got to keep stars. You don't want to piss off Zion. Mm-hmm. But like man. If he takes the qualifying offer. Oh man. Oh man.
1: Yeah. It was...
0: chaos, chaos will ensue. Oh yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, a- after that. Um, you know after that episode where we went over the preseason, we went over awards predictions, we went over how many th- games the k- Kings are going to win in the month of October and we have come to the end of this episode and hopefully you guys enjoyed you know, most if not all of the episode, I know I got a l- maybe a little bit maybe not, maybe not all of you will like my vaccine stance, stance um, but you know, I'd rather be honest about this one because it is—it is a bigger—it is legitimately a bigger issue than basketball. And mm-hmm. you know, if you—if you don't like it, I'm sorry, I guess. I don't know <laughs> what? Like, but hopefully you do like my basketball takes. And if you don't, I'm not gonna debate you on it. But <laughs> you know, you, you can you know keep listening because I do like listening to—I do like seeing pe- people listen to our podcast. So. Um, you know. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. And uh you do you have any closing thoughts, uh Fong? No,
1: nope, but other than that, get the vaccine I guess. <laughs> because it'll make the whole world a lot easier.
0: Yeah. Um I'm yeah, I, I won't I won't tell you one way or the other. You you got you guys know which way I'm gonna lean. Yeah, I'm not going to change anybody's mind at this point. If you're going to get the vaccine, you probably would have gotten it by now, honestly. So, yeah, I, I, I don't want to waste my breath on this. Um, yeah, um, you, you guys do you. And yeah, you know, you deal with the consequences like Kyrie is dealing with consequences right now. And, you know, I think the stupidest thing about this, he's going to get the vaccine at some point. I just think I just think he will end up getting it. And all of this will just go go under the rug and just be like nothing ever happened.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see the day that happens. So that's another thing. Ben Simmons and Kyrie. We shall see.
0: Did we ever talk about it on the podcast? Like how they should swap one for the other? Yeah. Uh, actually, I don't know about the podcast. I think... Hmm. We definitely talked about it offline, but I don't remember if we did it on the podcast but
1: you want to mention it now (laughs) uh, yeah
0: i guess quickly mention it before we close uh ben simmons for for kyrie irving that's actually a perfect trade if you think about it like the nets have too much offense and not enough defense and the sixers have a great offense or great or a really great defense but not enough offense and both of them can afford to lose though lose a little bit of their strength and yeah i just i mean i I, part of me doesn't want it to happen because that would i I think that makes the sixers or not the sixers the uh the the nets invincible essentially but then i thought about it and like the the sixers would probably end up being better than the bucks at that point
1: Ooh, with Kyrie in
0: yeah, I think that. I mean, if Kyrie's willing to play, for example, like let's just assume they all they 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 are willing to play for those te- for the teams they're traded to. Like, that actually shifts the balance quite a bit. I, I mean, I, it's an interesting thought. I thought.
1: I guess I can't see it now, but once you know if that ever happens, and I see a few games from them, I I think I could. See. I guess we'll have to see. <laughs> well, I guess not. We'll have to see, but we'll we'll see if the trade actually goes down, and now we'll witness the the greatness of the Sixers, as you have mentioned.
0: Yeah. Um. I'm. I. I don't. I don't know. Like there have been rumors that <laughs> if Kyrie is traded, he'll just retire. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what? Wow. <laughs> uh, he's a, he's a different kind of dude. He really like you know for better or for worse. He is a different kind of dude, and he like i had i actually had reservations like of whether or not like him like him not getting game checks like essentially having his salary halved, like would actually change his decision like i was actually thinking he would he was bully he would have been willing to go through with that and again he you know for better or for worse he is a different kind of dude mm-hmm. and on that note uh yeah let's let's end this podcast because it's gone on for an hour and a half at this point
1: yes (laughs) yes indeed uh well any ending notes
0: um i mean that's that's all i have on my notes um yeah after the zion thing we were supposed to end this but
1: oh (laughs) hold on
0: for another five minutes i think
1: oh well i guess i better end it quick and say i guess we'll see you guys next time Thank you.